Hello, I'm Stuart Preston, and this is the Stone Ape Reports, where I have conversations with those who have changed their lives with the help of psychedelics. In this episode, I had the honor of speaking with Greg, who is an attorney and an author who writes about psychedelics and mental health. He shared his own personal story of overcoming addiction through the mystical powers of psilocybin. So let's hear from Greg. Greg, I want to thank you so much for joining me here on the Stone Stone Date Reports. Um, always good to hear from people out there who've had good experiences. And from what I know about your story, I think you've got some really good things to share out there. So first of all, thank you for, for joining me and for participating in this. Yeah, and, and thank you for having me, Stuart. I do appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I like to talk about, you know, what challenges were going on in one's life before, you know, they, they came to to experience these journeys and, and make the changes. So why don't you give us a little bit of the backstory on what was going on in your life that, that really needed some changing? Well, you know, I, I think for me, Stuart, it's not so much challenges that brought me to the substances or the psychedelics or entheogens per <laughs> se. Really what it was is what brought me to understand that these substances can be used as a tool to help heal and guide people uh, in this life's journey. Because for me, I started taking drugs of all sorts, um, including psychedelics, at a very young age, about 12. Wow. Um, I was an addict for 17 years, but probably around, so this would have been from like about 99 through 2000. 15, but long about 2011, I had actually started to grow psilocybin and, and, and let me, let me mind you, I was still in the, in the grips of active addiction at this time, but mm. it, it was the first time I had what would be coined in the scientific literature as a mystical experience in that I started to have these very profound insights. And, and to be honest, most of it was regarding my mother's death, and then also my addiction. Um, I was addicted to opiates and alcohol at the time. And, you know, the the mushrooms were basically telling me, like, look, this is horrible. You cannot be doing this much longer. Um, you know, you are not living up to your potential. So it was around that time in those experiences that I actually came to, to understand um, just through my own experience the potential of these substances to heal and and help you know mentally and spiritually and possibly physically hmm. and so what you know the mystical experience i mean it was it a one-time thing that it suddenly you realized that addiction wasn't helping that it was hurting you but was there more work to be done after that yes absolutely so you know it and I will say this. So after it clicked that one time, Stuart, that, that my mind became aware of these, this potential, mm -hmm. every experience after that had that quality or character to it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, to be honest, I was addicted to opiates and alcohol, which is, I'm sure you're probably aware, come with severe physical withdrawal. Um, and so even every time I would try to sober up after that, I can make it about three days before my willpower gave in. Right. And so, you know, it's even, even though that the mushrooms were telling me every time, like, Hey, this is something that's got to go. I could only get so far um, by myself, you know, in, in achieving that, that ultimate goal. So what, uh, what did it take then? So what it took was uh, I ended up on probation and, um, Obviously, I was still using, 
and I made it through about eight of 12 months on a year probation. And then I ended up failing a drug test one month. So when I came in to check in the next month, which would have been January 2016, um, I was arrested and placed in jail for, you know, the previous month's failed drug test. And, um, you know, at that time, I ended up actually detoxing in a holding cell uh, in the jail. And wow. Yeah, it was at that time I was approached by my father who had worked with my lawyer and the judge to come up with a, a long-term treatment plan, which included entering a therapeutic community, which is an 18 to 24 month uh, long, you know, intensive inpatient treatment, hmm. uh, which I chose to do at that juncture. I had beat myself up long enough and I said, you know what, it's th this is probably the only thing. Uh, that's going to allow me to change and, you know, obtain the life that I want. So it sounds to me like maybe the, the entheogens opened your mind to some things. Yes. But it really, it really took kind of going through the legal system to, to get you to the other side. Yeah. And so let me, let me speak real quick about, you know, I'm sure you've heard a lot of people talk about these downloads um, through a psilocybin experience. Have you heard people reference that? Yeah. So during, during the journey, it feels like the filter comes off their brain and they get this, mm -hmm. this download. Mm -hmm. So when I was in treatment uh, for the 31 months, um, there were periods, Stuart, where my emotional state was being affected in a non-intuitive way, right? So I would like reach these situations where I knew that my initial reaction was going to be this, but I knew basically the, the downloads, I could feel them coming back to where it was affecting my behavior in a positive way uh, at these crucial points throughout my experience and treatment and on afterwards as well. Um, and so it was kind of crazy. I, um, I was able to pick up a lot of spiritual principles in recovery, uh, hmm. much quicker than my peers. And, and, you know, I don't have any scientific proof or data on this, but my feelings internally, uh, is that it can be relatable or related to, uh, the prior psilocybin downloads that I'd had the four or five years leading up to, uh, you know, my treatment. Yeah. So what, what was happening? Do you mind sharing a little bit about what the, what that download was like and how it was helpful? Yeah. So, uh, you know, so in a therapeutic community, um, it's meant to what I call keep people in their feelings, which means that there is constant adversity. Um, it's, it's every day that you are faced with adverse conditions, situations, and you have to learn to overcome them. Uh, most of this is achieved through what I would say emotional intelligence um, in hmm. being to separate our emotional reactions and responses from what we actually do, like our initial feelings of what we want to do from what we actually do uh, or react to a situation. And so I, I feel that these downloads were allowing me to have a greater distance uh, between the way I reacted to situations and my initial inner reaction to the situation. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I was able to pick up that or pick that up um, much, much quicker than, than my peer group who, you know, through their testimony, I do not think we're working with psilocybin anywhere near the depths that I was prior to, you know, entry. And how do you think that gave you an advantage? Well, you know, this, this 
facility I was in is so hard. Only one in a hundred people ever make it through the, the program. And so, I mean, <clears throat> and a lot of it is, is that it's just so mentally taxing and emotionally taxing that most people, and look, this is not to say anything bad about anybody because it is a very tough program. And to be honest with you, you know, when I made it through, I kind of surprised myself, but, um, you know, I think it just gave me that edge to be able to make it through those those certain really, really tough situations that most people you know broke down and, and decided to, to leave the facility. Gosh, um, you know, for me, I feel like one in a hundred success rate is good for Navy SEALs. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? But yeah, for a tra- no, treatment it's, program, it's, it should be a hundred out of a hundred. Yeah. Well, you know, the deal is, is that not everybody who left that facility went and relapsed and went back into addiction. Right. I mean, there were people who made it a year who really got what they needed and that probably factored into them leaving. Mm. Right. They probably said, well, yeah, I'm not finished, but I've, I've pretty much got what I needed. I'm facing this adverse situation. Uh, I'd rather just, you know, go and finish my sobriety up on the outside. So you know, just because people didn't finish, I wouldn't say they didn't necessarily get what they needed uh, from the program. Right. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Um, so, and I've talked to other people who, who went through addiction treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of them used the, like, Ibogaine to just really kind yes. of break, break out of their addictions and then moved on to life. And some went through 12-step programs and, and mm-hmm. some didn't. Um, kind of what what was your takeaway from, from all of this? You know, if somebody's out there listening and is going through addiction and really struggling, you know, how do you see psychedelics playing a role in, in potential recovery? So, you know, that's, it, that's a good, it's a multifaceted, but very good question because I'm obviously still active in a recovery community. And, um, you know, there are a host of different psychedelic and theogenic substances that could help with potentially different types of addictions. Um, let me say this about like an opiate or methamphetamine or an alcohol addiction, particularly with alcohol or opiates that come with severe withdrawal. I began it's I've never, never had the chance to experience it. But from what I hear, people who engage with the Ibogaine and then after the Ibogaine experience kind of switch their their venue from where they were at in addiction to somewhere else and continue with aftercare, whether it be meetings or counselor or whatever, I hear there's a very high success rate with that. Um, And so, you know, if I was facing those three types of addictions right now, that would definitely be something that I would uh, be looking into. But, you know, with really any other addiction, I mean, I do believe that with proper intention and working safely and in a proper setting with really any of the medicine, the the psychedelic medicines, I think can be beneficial. But again, it needs to be structured correctly with proper intention and uh, an open heart and mind to realize that these medicines can tell you things about yourself that that cut really, really deep and, and beyond just the addiction, like to the core fundamental problem with yourself that's even causing the addiction. And just to be open and willing to understand and accept that, and more importantly, more willing to work on that, um, I think is probably the most important part of choosing to engage with the psychedelic and theogenic medicines and trying to treat addiction. So there's there tends to be some underlying issue, mm-hmm. trauma, something 
within addiction yes. that and the entheogens can can with the proper work and the proper method can really help uncover that and, and get to that core cause. Yes, I mean, and, and so, for instance, um, and, and this kind of transcends addiction, too, but there are many times I have been to ayahuasca ceremonies where people are shown events in their life that they were maybe even too young to remember mm. uh, and shown that, look, this is actually what is called, and it might not be an addiction, but other negative behaviors, um, you know, and are shown like, look, this is what happened to you and this is what's causing it. You need to forgive this person or do this and then you'll be able to actually move past this. And um, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard that happen numerous times. Yeah. So what would your advice be to somebody who's looking at, at trying to help themselves with, with psychedelics in terms of set setting uh, substance dose? And you mentioned intention, you know, what would, you know, we're, we're not here to tell anybody to go out there and do psychedelics. That's yeah, not what, no, no. You know, it's um, not, it's not for everybody. We're not, we're not telling anybody out there to do it, but if somebody's listening and thinking, you know, I, I got it, I need help. And I've been studying this and looking at this what would you want them to take away and understand about doing it the right way and getting, getting, you know, deep into the, the mind and to really get that help? Well, at, at the outset, Stuart, I would say this for everyone to understand that, that these, these substances need, they deserve the highest amount of respect that you can give it. Um, because at, at the basic level, I agree that they're nothing to be, you know, you, you don't play around with these substances, right? And I think that kind of goes to intention. Like, you know, if, if you intend to heal from them, uh, that comes with a certain amount of, you know, uh, inherent respect for the substances. And, you know, I guess generally just safely, you know, I, I guess starting out, it would be best to try to find other people who are engaging in, you know, safely in, in the substances yeah. and kind of be, around or with someone who's experienced, you know, to begin with, um, you know, where I'm at now in my use and, and, or, you know, in, in my journey, you know, I recommend to people to find, um, you know, people who are doing this ceremoniously, like in a ceremony. Mm -hmm. um, generally, I find that if you can get a good ceremony uh, place that's there, that are doing ceremonies, you know, they have proper screening techniques and, you know, they're able to watch over people, um, things of that nature. And that would be my recommendation, but there's obviously a bunch of different ways to skin the cat, but at, at the outset, have respect and, and intention. Okay. And speaking of groups and finding it in a ceremonial setting, or at least one in which there, there's somebody there to, you know, watch over you, um, a, a guide, a trip sitter, whatever you want to call it. Um, aren't you doing something right now? Don't you have a project going on where you are going to help people find those situations? Yes. I, yeah, exactly. That, and that's www.entheoconnect.com. And, and what we're doing there, just a brief background. Um, since I was released from treatment, you know, I've kind of my view and, um, you know, engagement with these substances has kind of gone over to the spiritual end of it, um, just because that's what's been most helpful for me. And I see a lot of people getting help from it in, in that context. And so I actually ended up, and, and I don't know if I told you, but I'm, I'm a licensed attorney in the state of Texas. And so I ended up actually doing a lot of work helping, uh, you know, 
in the U.S., people who are running these ceremonies and retreats get their legal documentation together. And so through that, I built up a fairly extensive network of, you know, what I would consider good ceremonies, good and safe ceremonies and retreats Mm. here in the U.S. And so with the website, we're going to be trying to connect people in that space to each other and also connect them to these ceremonies and retreats. Uh, You know, we will have reviews and everything like that to try to, you know, people who are interested in entering that space, um, which I would say in theogen and spirituality space, roughly, um, you know, to to help them match up with a, a place that's good for them or that they feel comfortable with. Oh, that's fantastic. Because I know mm-hmm. I get I get a lot of that with people. They're they're wanting help. They've done some research and they just don't know where to start or where to find a good a good group. Because you know everybody reads about going to to Peru or Colombia yes. and ceremonies, but every time you do a Google search for that, one of the results is somebody is assaulted or killed or dies. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That that's right. And so and and that's it. Is is we want and one of the more ultimate objectives, I guess, with this site is to make. Uh, you know, these these substances and ceremonies more accessible to the average everyday person. Right. Because there's a lot of people that probably that that do need or probably need these, uh, you know, this help, but don't ha- can't afford to go to Peru or like you say, are scared to go to Peru, understandably, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the middle of the Amazon with people they don't know. Um, so, you know, here in the U.S., you know, through my work, I found that there are great ceremonies and retreats with people who have probably been through exactly what the person looking for that retreat has been through um, Mm -hmm. can help screen them and guide them through this whole process. You know, and and a lot of these places have integration services, things of that nature to really help people all the way through the whole spectrum of, you know, from having the problem. Uh, you know, engaging in the ceremony with the substances and afterwards helping them put, you know, those profound insights into action. And so that, that's what my hope is. I, I just want everybody to have the opportunity, if they feel so called, uh, to, you know, engage with, with these medicines. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, as you, you know, being, being a lawyer and open about all this, as you have worked with psychedelics, have you gotten have you experienced any of the stigma out there or pushback or you know legally professionally or and personally you know professionally not too much um you know it's it's obviously i don't go into like depositions telling everybody like hey you need to you know you need to need to try mushrooms right but there are a lot of lawyers and so i wrote my book on on the mental health benefits of psilocybin back i published it this last june um Mm -hmm. And there were quite a few people in our legal community here that that, you know, read it and love it and expressed their desire to me to one day try uh, mushrooms or psilocybin. And um, yeah. so, you know, there's a lot of them out there, especially in the legal community that I definitely have an interest in it. But again, the stigma kind of prevents them from voicing that too loudly. Yeah. Uh, I tell you where I did get blowback, though, was actually my sister. My sister lives here. Uh, in Baton Rouge, same town I do, and I'll, and I'll love her to death. I'll put that caveat out there, but yeah, you know, she she is in this such a socially constructed world that for me, her brother to write a book on these substances <laughs> uh, offended her so greatly that she cut off communication with me and cut me off 
from communication with my two nieces for about three months. Um, wow. Until it kind of blew over. And now we just don't even mention it. I, or I don't even mention it out of respect for her right. you know, when I'm around. But yeah, so I have experienced some some pretty harsh consequences, you know, um, you know, directly. Yeah, that's 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 a rough one. I hope that gets ironed out. It, it basically has. Look, you know, again, like I say, when I go to her house out of respect, I just don't mention it and just kind of let let sleeping dogs lie there. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I think we've all dealt with those those mm-hmm. kind of things. It's always a little rough, but as long as they work themselves out, that's at least we can ask that much. And I'll tell you one thing about me, Stuart, is that I feel like it's important for people like me who are working professionals and, um, you know, to be vocal to a certain extent about this because, you know, a lot of people have in their minds, you know, which is just this socially constructed view that's been spoon fed over the years that, you know, people who engage in the, and you probably had this view at one time, I think you kind of mentioned earlier is that, you know, people who do those are just druggies and, Mm-hmm. And, you know, losers and stuff, you know, but but it's really not like that. I mean, as I go to these sacred ceremonies around especially the U.S., I mean, I'm networking with other lawyers, doctors, like very, very intelligent and driven people who do very well and, um, you know, have just found more to their spiritual side through these ceremonies than anywhere else. You know, and you can't blame somebody for, for you know, if 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 something makes someone feel more complete or at peace, you cannot blame them for, for seeking that. Right. Yeah. I'm with you a hundred percent. So I guess uh, my last question, and then I'll just let you say whatever you want there at the end. But one thing I'm curious about with you being an attorney is what do you, do you have opinions on the whole decriminalization effort going on across the country? Yeah. So I do. I love it. Um, you know, I, um, when I first got into the space, Stuart, when I say that, I mean like like contributing to the space. I, I mm-hmm. published my book on the mental health benefits of psilocybin, which is more or less a, uh, a compilation of all the research that had been conducted up through February 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when I wrote that book, I thought, man, this research is it. You know, this is what's going to lead to the ultimate, you know, acceptance and legalization of these substances. But... I quickly learned that, you know, there is also this decriminalization in and there is also this entheogenic church in that's going on. Right. So I see mm-hmm. it kind of as a three pronged front that works to eventually lead to this societal breakdown of negative perception and views. Right. You know, as, mm-hmm. as more people become aware that people in these different scenarios are using these substances and everything's fine, the sky is not falling. Um, you know, I think it slowly leads to society, um, you know, breaking down those views. And so with that being said, I support all three in every single way I can. I have people reach out in pretty much all three, you know, in parts of that, you know, on a weekly basis. And and I try to jump in and get involved wherever I can, um, because I, I think that those three will work together in tandem, um, to, to help achieve this ultimate goal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. All right, Greg. Well, what, what else before we wrap this up? Do you have anything else that I did not ask you that you want to get out there? 
Uh, you know, I just want to say, well, again, thank you very much for having me. And, um, you know, I'll say this for me personally, you know, working with psilocybin and, and some of these other medicines has made a profound impact and change on my life. I was an addict for 17 years and now I'm, I'm sober. I'm working uh, essentially a, a, a job and then I have two side jobs and just a complete different change in my life, a different change in perspective. I um you know, I love life now and, and I'm able to accept and overcome uh, just about any circumstance that's thrown my way. And so, you know, for the people out there, if if and let me say one thing, Stuart, I think a lot of times people get an internal call to these substances. I think mm. that there it's it's already kind of brewing and then they hear something like maybe your podcast or um see something or maybe an article on Facebook and, and that kind of really, really drives them there. And, and that's great. Uh, there's a lot of research to be done prior to hopping into these things. And, but there's also a lot of stuff online that can be read and watched and listened to. Um, and yeah, I just encourage anybody who feels the call to, uh, to do, you know, to come and answer it. Uh, just be careful and be safe. Perfect. Well, Greg, thank you so much. That was really good, really good stuff. I really appreciate you taking the time to come out here and share this. I know, I know you're going to help some people, and I, I wish you the best of luck with your upcoming book and with uh, entheoconnect.com. I will definitely be uh, signing up for that and becoming a part of that. So thanks for everything you do, man. Yeah, thank you, Stuart. I appreciate you. You have a good weekend. You too. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes this edition of the Stoned Ape Reports. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Stoned Ape Comedy and subscribe to our newsletter at www.stonedapecomedy.com. Again, thanks for listening, and catch you next time, Stoned Apes.